We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. So a bit about me, because most of you don't know me. Um, uh, my name's John, John Horst. Uh, I've been a Christian for about half my life. Um, I uh, did medicine at university a long, long time ago. How much of you guys were born? And I don't work anymore now. Um, but I'm interested in science. Um, but I haven't become a Christian. I'm interested in faith as well. Um, it's supposed to be the same with the Kingdom of God, because that's what the title is. But, okay. um, so these are our, our eight. We're about to read them, because you can read them for yourselves. So what we could do to start with, just to get a feel, uh, um, <coughs> can we quickly go around the room, especially the inner circle, and say, what our involvement with science is, how to do that. So we'll start just in one, in one couple of words, what you do. Uh, yes, I'm a student, I study um, mathematics and statistics. Okay. Um, I don't think I've got much involvement in science. Okay, that's fine as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, mechanical engineering. Yeah. Uh, study physics. <coughs> physics, okay, yeah. Uh, design engineering. Yeah. Engineering as well. Okay. Yeah. Automotive engineering. Say again. Automotive engineering. Okay, yeah. Um, I was a science teacher for the thir first 13 years of my career. Okay. I'm well, you need to school, be doing science at school. Okay. Just interested in it. Okay, yeah. I'm just interested in it. Yeah. I'm kind of engineering. Robotics. Okay. Engineering. Okay. Anyone doing anything different to that on, on the outside circle? Um, Sorry, I didn't see you. I was right. No, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, you're going to be doing it. Then, around the time I saw the brimstone butterfly, 
in my garden. I was taught about evolution by natural selection at school. The scientific explanation for life's abundant diversity was clearly in direct conflict with the biblical account. Trying to make sense of this, this discrepancy, I went to talk to my Baptist minister. I suggested to him that when God was speaking about in, Genesis, in the Genesis account about creation, he was explaining what happened in terms that would make sense to an uneducated pastoral population two or three thousand years ago. I said that perhaps we should treat it more like a myth, but in reality, God devised an even more wonderful mechanism for creation by, by inventing evolution by natural selection. Unfortunately, my minister did not see it like that at all. He told me I had to believe the literal truth of Genesis and say he would pray for me. This began my gradual descent from religious belief to atheism, or to be more precise, skeptical agnosticism. I saw that, that different religions can have a different, different beliefs, and those different creeds can be inconsistent with each other. Science gave me a route to a more rational understanding of the world. It gave me greater certainty too, stability even, and a better way to pursue the truth, the ultimate objective of science. So that's one current scientist's experience of faith. Another quote from another scientist that you may have heard of. Um, those that have they done the Alpha course and see how it's he, he, he appears on the Alpha course. A guy called Francis Collins, who's uh, an American geneticist. Um, in fact, he was one of the lead guys who set up the Big Genome Project back 15, 20 years ago. And a short quote from him, he says, faith is not the enemy of science, but it's perfect complement. Okay, I'll read that again. Faith is not the enemy of science, but it's perfect complement. Okay, so there are two very eminent scientists um, who disagree. One guy tried to make it work, but was the idea squashed by his, his minister. And the other guy holds both his strong scientific views and his strong faith <coughs> at the same time. Okay. If I tell you how I got to where I got to it. So I went to church as a kid, but I rejected the whole of my faith as soon as I went to university, or even just before, really. Um, I became a Christian when I was 35. But I struggled to join together science, geology, anthropology, lots of ologies, with my faith and with the Bible. I found that the topic was rarely mentioned in church circles. That's why we're here to go today a bit, okay? Um, it was sort of, it wasn't frowned upon to talk about it, but it wasn't really talked about very much. Um, about three or four years ago, I went to a series of presentations by some scientists at, uh, at Cambridge. My one trip to Cambridge University. Um, and these were the topics of the talks. The first one was just mind-boggling by an astrophysicist. Um, it was just a sort of keynote speech. And it was Big Bang, Big God, which I thought was just it was just, that was the, the setting for the next two days. Big bang, big God. And he got 
eminent scientist who was actually a CV Hannon or something, some, some high up guy in the Institute of England. And he was the first person I'd ever heard talking who had a, a strong view of both but managed to hold the two in at the same time. Um, the next talk um, was by a guy who's uh, quite high up in the Met Office as a research scientist, um, also a Baptist minister. Um, his interest is, he spent all his life studying thunderclouds. Okay. Um, and his talk um, was called Wonder. Quite a scientific sort of talk, but again, his his approach was that <coughs> science is wonderful. Okay. Um, the third talk, well, not actually, there's a few between. But another, another talk was a guy who does messy church. Have you heard of messy church? Mm -hmm. Where you um, so you might live with your kids, <coughs> um, and most messy churches. Robert, you tell me, is they do craft and art and that sort of stuff. This guy does chemistry experiments in messy church. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah? So he was trying to bring science into his faith. Um, and then there was, there was a presentation by some teachers who were science teachers and also RE teachers, and they do combined RE science lessons in their schools, which was interesting to say the least. Okay, and that really set me on a sort of a, a during discovery, if you like. And I guess to some extent, I want to try and induce some of you guys down that sort of journey in three quarters of an hour. Is that okay? No, you, you sort of on board with me. <laughs> now, some of this is my my opinion. Some of what I'm going to say may not settle with everybody. Um, well, I'll put it in discussion at some point. If we disagree with each other, we must disagree well, please. Okay. Um, okay, so here's my sort of where, I, where I've reached in my journey. In life. Um, I would say there's no conflict between good science and good theology. If there's a conflict, it's either bad science or bad theology. Does that make sense? Okay. Thank you for nodding quite a few. <laughs> um, second thing I just I discovered, which I've been able to say, but I've not really grasped before, that God not only created the world, but he's still creating the world. He's as busy now as he was at the year dot, whenever that was. Okay. I'll just find it smooth later on. Um, you can still be a good Christian and be a good evolutionist. And there's nothing still. <laughs> um, in fact, science and faith go really well together. They enhance each other. So what I'd like to have a go at now, this is getting a bit more tricky, um, 
And if you're not a scientist, you can skip it, really. Can we just go around the room to those who are happy to take part, which will be most of you, hopefully, what your experiences have been so far in joining up your science and your faith? I want to think about that for a minute, too. <coughs> so, assuming we're all Christians, and quite a few of us, most of us are scientists, just tell us briefly how the two have fitted together for you. And we can either do it randomly, or we can go around the room, whichever you want to do. I think you're first. Can you give us a... a my, my dad is a um, physicist, but he's, he always explained to me that the... Science can often explain why something, uh, sorry, how something happens, whereas the faith level explains why it happens. Okay, yeah. So it's like having a good example would have been like boiling a kettle. You can put water in the kettle and tell me all the exact science behind how it's heated up and all the elements within the kettle, but you can't ever say, well, why was that kettle being boiled in the first place? Okay. Was it for a tea or a coffee? Okay, good, yeah. Anyone else got any? I've always found it's been. It's been difficult being a Christian, especially in the medical background, um, with people with a lot of conflicts, a lot of egos that don't like you being a Christian. <coughs> um, that's my experience. Okay, yes, yeah. Give it a go. Being like a Christian within a research field, I say, is quite. We had a group of, like, we would meet up as Christians, and that was a novel thing. Yeah, like yeah. A, it wasn't a normal thing to be a Christian within research, okay. which seems like a shame. If you look at like where research came from, which was the Christians trying to understand God, that's how research started. So was that sort of antagonism from you, Colin? No, I don't think it's antagonism. It's just that it, it there isn't a representative anymore, which was if you're trying to come at research from a Christian point of view. You can't look to your supervisors, you can't look to your peers, you have to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which makes it more fun. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you one, so you need to, when we finish in 10 minutes, I should give a bit more please, come on. <coughs> uh, I study human biology, but I did study, um, I've graduated now, but like there was a module on evolution. Yeah. I remember after that, um, like after a few of them lectures, just like, well, my. <laughs> Classmates, like two of us, be like, oh, <coughs> you must have hated that being a Christian and stuff like that. Um, just assuming that it kind of, it, it's either I'm a Christian or I believe in evolution, if you know what I mean. Um, so that's where I've experienced like sort of similar to Um But on the other side of things, I find that in my current job in the NHS, helping people, it marries up quite nicely with in my own head with like how Jesus would have cared and helped people. And for me, it sits quite nicely um, that I'm also doing that, and that's what Jesus would have done. Okay. Just some thoughts. Anybody else had any experiences with talking about science in their church contexts? It's sort of a youth club or Sunday school even, or whatever, or in church or whatever since. Or know which one, does ever get to find which one? I think I remember one talk. <laughs> Sorry, can I remember? One talk, but it was a long time ago. In, 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 in what context? In which one? In which one, okay. It's been a while. 
in my in my first church, there was a group of people who were quite obsessed with uh, like getting into the detail of why science proves Christianity or proves the the existence of God. And I did kind of when I first became a Christian get quite interested in it, and then I just thought, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, I'm an engineer, I'm not a scientist. I'm never going to. <laughs> I'm never going to get into the level of detail. And actually, it's not really, for me at the time, it wasn't really that important. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter to me whether it's 6,000 years or 6 billion or whatever yeah. it is. I don't really care about that. It's, yeah, so I just kind of like stepped away from it. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else want to say what they've. You can't see me, but I'm here. I'm sorry, I keep looking wrong way. I just like loads of questions so my son he's always like well how did dinosaurs happen if god happened and like i have no clue so then i'd ask my disciple and then she's like um um i don't know so i had no answers and then google don't really help you because it just tells you about the bang and stuff so i just have no clue no one knows because somehow it's crept into society that Scientists don't think that science is compatible with faith. Yeah, that's an underlying, that that's an underlying assumption. Yeah. Especially in education. Mm-hmm. As a teacher, it became increasingly difficult to know what I could say and what I couldn't say. Yep. You know, if you, if you think about the last, I don't know, the last 50 years, we've had a transition from a largely a country that where, where Christian truth was kind of taken as read to a situation where now it is a minority point of view and indeed where it is not permissible to say certain things. Even if you believe them, that doesn't matter because you're working to within restrictions or guidelines or even a curriculum which say this is what you must say, you can't say this. And I think that's what I've grappled with the difficulty it limits on personal freedom if you like, to even engage with 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 the topic. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think the church does not has not had a good history of engaging. And the fact that so many people said <laughs> they don't, don't remember anybody ever talking about it. Yeah. It's quite yeah. shocking really, isn't it? Okay. So what the way this feels to me um, is that scientists struggle with integrating faith in their way of thinking and lots of people with faith whether about Christian faith particularly um, but it applies to other faiths as well struggle with integrating science into their faith as well so there's sort of a, a barrier both ways does that yeah. seem to make a bit of dolly going on that's good um, as it happens um, Muslims have the same problems as Christians do probably uh, more problems than we do um, okay um, is that good or is that bad if we struggle to understand each other bad? I think it's terrible <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awful that's why you know, I'm stuck my neck out um, those of you that are sort of studying science or science gets involved in what you're doing um, have you had any direct comments from lecturers, teachers about you being Christians? Has anyone had a sort of a adverse stuff? Uh, 
I definitely did in sixth form. My biology teacher um, was very, had a lot of Richard Dawkins books and like was very much, in my opinion, not teaching from a like, um, a very like level-headed place, but uh, kind of giving his opinion as well as like what was on curriculum. Bad science. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we had quite a, quite a few <laughs> that probably shouldn't be like, well, I mean, I was only a student, but I, I felt like something he shouldn't have been doing. I was like, well, I'm going to say this. Yeah, yeah. What assumptions did he make about your faith that were wrong? Can you? <laughs> well, but he, he just like would immediately um, like shut shut anything down that when I, I would say, oh, like, how do you know that? Or like any probing question or like. Yeah. Some of those things you say would be quite leading to just make people assume one thing. Yeah. Um, and he would just be like, well, no, you're wrong. And you, you can't say that. This is like my classroom. And I was yeah. like, okay. So you were making that room. Yeah, I probably, I, I tried to do it respectfully on it, sure, but yeah. like, it's a difficult situation. Anybody else had experienced anything like that at school? Or? Okay. Um, my science teacher was very similar to that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's interesting, he likes to do the Bible inside out. And when I had him, I was probably too young to question him. Yeah. But he like, taught, very biased. Like anyone with faith could just shut them down. Yeah. Like use his platform and teaching as a way to like do that, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so you sort of made assumptions about your faith as well, which... Yes. He knew the Bible inside out. Maybe the right way around though. <laughs> I have friends who are Christians in older years who've like spoken to him. Yeah, yeah. And he'd yeah. just like pick on them for because of it. Okay. Have any of you had the other side of it where you've had conversations <coughs> or discussions with, with people in leadership in church or in youth clubs where they've criticised science in some way? Have you had that experience? <coughs> Bit like um, Paul Nurse did, where he raised it with his minister and got short change. Probably not to that extent, but I've definitely had where, like, maybe the scientific approach of questioning, uh, maybe probing deeper than the, the minister would have liked, or something along those lines. So, yeah. And then shutting them down for whatever reason. So maybe yeah. not from a you don't don't believe the science, but more the scientific method of okay. questioning. Okay. Um, okay, let, let's, let's just rephrase that question a little bit. Um, forget outside influences now. Has anybody had the experience of science challenging your faith directly? Where you thought that the two don't fit in your head? So like in GCSE, well, I do doing my levels now, so I've already touched yeah. science, but I do sort of touch it in maths. But um, in GCSE biology, when like evolution was first going into depth, it was sort of like, well, how does this all fit together? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. really work. And then I pondered it for a few like months, and it's, I sort of came up with the idea that, as you, as you said, I don't know who said it, but it was that God put evolution into motion. Yeah. Okay. So you sort of you grappled with that for a bit and yeah. some sort of agreement between yeah. the two of them. Yeah. But else had any sort of ever had those sorts of thoughts? 
experience where their faith has challenged their science, where you think, hang on, this, I don't like what science is telling me, it conflicts with my faith. I know that's a step too far for us, I guess. No, I, I, that was talking about blank. I think we could explore that. I mean, yeah. I studied engineering at university a long, long time ago, and part of that was thermodynamics. And so you have the second law of thermodynamics, which basically, in a nutshell, says that order usually gives way to disorder. Yeah. Um, things decay, basically. Enthalpy, entropy, all that stuff. stuff. Whereas a model of uh, uh, life, understanding of life, as is perpetrated almost entirely through the media as a one particular model, as an assumption, isn't there? Mm. This is the truth. That seems to be built on the opposite model, that the order, in fact, incredible, detailed, um, interdependent order can arise out of nothing or out of chaos. And I, I, had, a, I had a conflict at that time, and maybe I still do, with how science can, can have such a well-developed model which seems to contradict some other laws. I don't know if anybody understands what I'm trying to say there. I'm not going to answer any of your problems. <laughs> this isn't the right venue to do that. But I would, if at other stages in your careers you meet stuff, I would say don't bury it because there's a lot to gain by being a good scientist and a good Christian together. And we'll sort of move on to that now. There's, I could raise loads of problems, but I won't raise them if they haven't come up for you yet. I guess the obvious one is, is evolution and creation. Um, if someone wants to, if you want to talk about it afterwards, we can do, but that's quite a big topic. But um, let's move along, because it's all a bit negative so far. I want to be, to spend the last half an hour being positive. Okay. Um, I'm going to sort of. Tell you a slightly silly story now. Um, it was uh, a bit of a parable to use a, a biblical phrase. Okay, so I want you to imagine there's a train and there's a bunch of Christians and a bunch of not yet Christians and they're on the train together. Okay? Um, they all got on the train and they're, they're, they're you know, chatting on the train. It's an old-fashioned train where you can talk on the train, you know. Um, and the train chugs along. Um, and the uh, the first stop that the train reaches, um, 
It's called interest. So most of the scientists will say, I'm doing science because it's quite interesting really and it's you know it's, it's a lot to find out about and um, yeah it's interesting. So both the Christians and the not yet Christians stay on the train because they, they agree on that one that science is interesting. Next up on the train um, is called surprise. Um, and they say, yeah, I'm doing science because uh, there's things that actually surprise me about, you know, I didn't, I did a bit of research and I didn't expect that result, so I'm doing science because it's actually quite surprising sometimes. Um, and both the Christians and the not yet Christians will can agree on that, that there's, there's surprises in science that makes it quite exciting. If it was all predictable, it wouldn't be so exciting. So it's, it's surprise is something which most scientists hopefully will agree on. The next stop on the train um, is called wonder. Um, so they have a discussion and say, yeah, I'm in science because I, I wonder how it works, or I wonder how, how it got there, or I wonder how far away it is, or when it happened, or so they're interested. They wonder what's what's going on. They're inquisitive. So most of them will stay on the train still. The next step on the train gets more interesting now. It's called beauty. Okay. Now the, the ones who aren't yet Christians are saying, hang on a minute, look, I don't see my science is very beautiful. Some of the mathematicians might say, well, I know that's a we came up with a beautiful equation. Even the chemists might think that. Okay, just you nod if you maths over there. They can see beauty in, in figures. Or the, the botanists might say, oh, I don't know, but I find, I find the way that genes work out just beautiful. It's so, it's, 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 yeah. The Christians might find that a bit easier to take on board. That, what they're studying and looking at is actually beautiful, not just clever, not just surprising, not just interesting, but actually beautiful. But some of the not yet Christians will have got off the train at this point because they're, they're getting a bit twitchy about beauty and science, so they go together if they want. The next step on the train <laughs> um, is called awe. Okay. Um, so the, the Christians are saying, I, I don't know, I, I find um, the bit of science I'm doing just awesome. It's, it's staggeringly amazing. Um, and the, the, the people who aren't yet Christians are saying, I, I, I don't know, I don't find it awesome. I mean, it's, 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 it's good, it's interesting, and it, it gives me lots of surprises, isn't it? Um, but awesome's too far, too much for me. And they get off the train. Just a few might stay on sometimes. Um, the last stop on the train. Um, and by this point, most of the non-Christians have got off. It's called worship. 
heads of the Christians, they see their science as being interesting, surprising, wonderful, beautiful, awesome. And all they can do is to worship God as a result of what they're seeing and doing. Okay, that's not a true story, it's a super story, really. But you get, do you get the point that for Christians who are scientists, not Christian scientists, that's something else, Christians who are scientists who hold both their science and their faith together can be a source of worship. Okay. Um, now, you get taught quite early on when you become a Christian or if you're in Sunday school or whatever, they're sort of all things bright and beautiful, the Lord God made it all sort of thing. <coughs> so we're sort of taught, or one is taught, that things like landscapes and sunsets and um, pets are created by God and there we should worship God when we see a nice sunset or something like that. Um, but how about worshipping God because genetics is just staggeringly, amazingly complicated and how did that happen? Um, Okay, that's um, that's a that's a <clears throat> out of the time. Um, let's try this. Um, quite a few of you will know uh, quite an old school song called "How Great Thou Art." Do you know who all sung that? Some boys sung it at our education. Okay, there's a couple of verses in there, um, but I'll, I'll I'll read them through to you because you might not remember them. Oh Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder, no awesome wonder, <clears throat> consider all the works your hand has made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the breeze. Okay, let's try and pick out, I'll look with you. What sort of science gets covered in those verses? Okay, I see the stars. <coughs> What's that? Astronomy. Astronomy, so God's an astronomist. I hear rolling thunder. I've got a meteorologist. Okay. Um, your power throughout the universe display are cheap. God's a cosmologist. Okay. <laughs> and through the woods and forest glades I wander. What is he? What sort of ology is that? Physicians. Well, he could be a botanist, but officially he's an arborologist, okay? Um, I, hear, I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. What's God? Ornithologist. Um, uh, 
uh, or mountains. Mountains is an ontology, apparently, and, um, <laughs> uh, and geology, if you like. So the point being that all these ologies that we forgot the names of, <coughs> God was the original geologist. He was the original botanist. He was the original ornithologist. They all lot. So if you're, if one of us is studying ornithology, all we're doing is studying what God did. Okay. Um, I've had a couple of conversations this weekend already. Um, the God was the original biochemist. So if you're studying biochemistry or something equally boring as that, difficult as that, all you're doing is looking at what God set up. <clears throat> now, does that change how you see what you're studying or what you're doing? Can you get that? Um, not just studying a dry subject that you've got to do with the degree. Um, you're looking at what God thought of. And if it's hard to learn, or, <coughs> or it's biochemistry beyond me, um, <laughs> that's because God's loving good at it, okay? Um, so all that science is doing, or scientists are doing, is discovering what God has done, looking at creation. And I find that just, excuse me, I don't mean to have to say it, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there was a um, astronomer called Johann Kepler. Yeah. Um, I forgot what it was he discovered. <laughs> He was one of those kind of key people a long, long time ago, and I think the thing that I remember hearing, he was on the system, he said all he was doing was thinking God's thoughts after him. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's very helpful. helpful. Yeah, there's a sort of a, a simple phrase that people use saying that God wrote two books. Have you heard this one? He wrote the Bible and he wrote the universe. Um, so you can find out about God by reading the Bible. And you could find out a lot about God by looking at the universe, or doing science and history as well, but science on this occasion. Okay. Um, um, Sorry, it's all I know them really. Um, get your right hand there and have a look at it. So, check out what you can see when you look at your right hand. Yeah. Or your left hand. What are the bits of it? You've got some nails, what else? Lines. Yeah. Switches. Okay, right. Veins. Okay, wiggle it around a bit. Okay. It's quite a tail bit of kit, that really. Um, you can do amazing things with it. You can poke your nose, you can play the piano, you can open doors, you can write, you can do. an infinite number of things with it. 
see where I came from. Okay, but if you go back, in my case, um, 68 years, um, I started life as two little cells. One from the dad, one from the mum. Um, half the chromosome from the dad, half the mum joined up to make one cell. Um, and then they multiplied to form two cells, four cells, eight cells. And then that, those cells, this is still microscopic, form a little flat plate. And that little flat plate, no one's done embryology. Is there embryology yet? No. Okay. Yeah, okay. That little flat plate started to twist and turn to make two little tubes. Um, and by the time I was um, about five weeks, not yet old, <laughs> the five-week embryo, about six weeks, six, my heart was sort of falling inside. About the same time, on this little tube, which is probably about a millimeter, about three millimeters long, I think, um, four little buds started. You know, like buds on a tree, you get buds that stick out. Four little buds appeared. Um, only about two cells each, so they're pretty small. Um, and one of those buds began to get a bit longer. And by the time I was um, about eight, nine weeks as a fetus, I had fingers. And then as time went on, um, my fingers got bigger, my hand got bigger, and um, that was about. 39 weeks old when I came out. Probably my head came first, but my hand came quite soon afterwards. And my mum and dad were quite quick to know I had five fingers, and they were quite pleased that I had a fairly normal looking body. Okay. I've had the same hand ever since. Um, it is fearfully complicated. Um, when I was, we used to do anatomy when I was training, and I spent about a month on the hand because it's so critical and so many. Yeah, it's impossible to get you. I couldn't really learn it. Um, okay. Verse in the Bible in Psalm 139, which just says, um, I'm fearfully made. So God, the original embryologist, makes my hand seem quite amazing, really. That God invented my hand for me. And that's something which I don't often worship God about how good my hand is, but it gives a new complexion to my hand to know that it's really good and that that was God's idea. Okay, I'll leave that for a bit much. Last thing, because we've got a few minutes to go. Um, I think the last thing up here says <coughs> to demonstrate that science can be a window to faith for people who aren't Christians yet. Has anybody ever had a conversation with someone who's not a Christian to try to use their stuff there, use science as an argument that faith is plausible? Have you tried that, that conversation? Robert, you're not Yeah, it's, it can be hard work, can't it? Because the trouble now is that people don't just believe certain scientific facts. 
they have accepted a world view which informs their opinion about virtually everything else as well. And so you're not just sort of dealing with one thing, you're dealing with a much bigger, mm. a bigger picture. But um, yeah, I have a number of friends that I've known for 40 or 50 years. They're not yet Christians, but they like me talking about my faith. Yeah. Yeah. They're, not, they're not there yet, but they don't object. That's, that's a start, isn't it? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I can share um, things that I know a little bit about, and some of them find that interesting, and they, and they don't necessarily just reject it. So. Okay. Um, it can be done, tried it, okay. Mm. Um, it's lots of people who are interested in science, or in thinking, are interested that you can hold the two things in at the same time. They might be surprised that you could do it because they assumed that you can't do the two things together. So two little suggestions you might, if you want to try one day, is sometime when you get back into the real world next week, you might try telling somebody that you went to a weird seminar by a weird bloke who talked about science and faith together as a starter. And, and say that, you know, I went to one, and see what they say. They might think you're nuts, and you can explain, you know, some of the sort of thinking that we're in at the time. Or, if you're really brave, you might try telling them the train story. I've, I've told that quite a few times to different people. And scientists get it, they realize when they get off the train. Um, and that makes sense of them. And they're intrigued by why you would stay on the train to the worship bit. You might take your crackers, but they, they understand <coughs> that sort of way of thinking. Um, and it opens up a conversation. Um, so you, you can be proud of being both a scientist and a, and a Christian. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid in church. You don't need to be afraid in university or school or whatever. Um, the two go together very well. And you can see science as being another reason to think God is incredibly good and worth, worth all the wonder all that we can possibly muster. Okay, one last thing. There are a million questions to go with all this. Um, if you're interested and you want to pursue it, there is a really, really good website or even a, um, an organization called the Faraday Institute. Any of you heard of the Faraday Institute? Um, which gives loads and loads of information. They're all really good scientists. Um, with access to loads of information. Um, uh, and they just produce loads of stuff. You can just Google the Faraday Institute and spend the rest of your life reading their stuff if you want to. It's really good. Um, okay, I'm going to finish. Um, I'm going to just talk to God for a minute. Okay, so. Father God, creating God, um, 
Thank you that you made us. Thank you that you made us complicated. Thank you that you made the earth complicated. You made the whole cosmos unbelievably complicated. And thank you that it points us to, to you. But that despite the complexity of it, you still rate us and love us. We are very, very thankful for that. And we worship you for that. That you love us.